The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. You can help support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tier. Oh! Tired of not being able to find screaming fruit or items that are almost useless on your quest? I know we are. Swim through monster-infested waters and visit Beetle's shop ship today. Many of Beetle's items are the last of their kind, so hurry before another reincarnation of Link scoops them up. Inconveniently located in random areas of the Great Sea. Mike, movies split into two parts. Are they any good? Uh, well, first of all, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> second of all just, uh, well we decided you just, just caught me off guard because then i was trying to think of movies that are split into two parts and i was like <laughs> and I, it was a it was a phase mainly it was mainly a phase like in the 2010s for like the five years there where like harry potter was split into two parts hunger games is split into two parts the hobbit was split into three parts that's when they took it way too far and then when you when you came to me a few months ago and, and we were talking about the Wind Waker episode and we thought, this is going to be a big episode, let's split it into two parts, my instant thought was, I don't want this to be like Hunger Games part one and two. Well, I think one of the reasons we wanted to split it was because we wanted to do justice to obviously this amazing game and also to do justice to our many guests coming on and the fact that Wind Waker's birthday is actually on the Wednesday uh, this year mm-hmm. and you know we want to properly celebrate on their birthday we don't want to be that friend who waits until the weekend right. to celebrate no <laughs> and we don't want to be that friend that you know celebrates a birthday and then instantly takes everything away from like you give a bunch of gifts to your friend for their birthday and then when it's not their birthday anymore you take it back do you know what i'm referencing mike <laughs> no what are you referencing <laughs> So this year, Nintendo celebrated oh, Mario's 35th anniversary <laughs> by putting a whole bunch of sweet games on the eShop. We got we got uh, Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, Mario Galaxy, Mario 35, which are all great games. And guess what? At the end of March, which is pretty much a couple days from when this episode goes live, they are taking those games off of the eShop forever. Yeah, Neil, why? Like, I, business-wise, uh, intellectual property-wise... Okay. Uh, no, that can't no. be it. They own these <laughs> yeah. properties. So I don't see. <laughs> so they're not taking. Okay, so like I said, Nintendo put out all of these fantastic games. They also put out uh, a few physical pieces of merchandise too, such as there were these Game and Watch games where you could play the original Mario Bros. on, which were fun. There was also a whole bunch of Super Mario Bros. 35th anniversary merch, like T-shirts and hats and whatever else. Those are being discontinued, which to me makes sense. I mean, you can't have this stuff on store shelves sure. forever especially right now when people aren't going to stores. Uh, Nintendo's always been uh, very much a limited run of merchandise like that. So that, to me, makes sense. I can also sort of see limiting the Super Mario 3D All-Stars to a certain point. This seems like a little bit too early since that game only came out in October of last year. So it's only been on the market for maybe five months. That seems very premature to pull it off of physical store shelves. But to pull everything off of the (laughs) eShop... That's where I don't get it at all. That's that's where the yeah that's where the question marks start <laughs> popping up for me is why remove this from the eShop? You could be making just money from Super Mario 3D All Stars, which have three games in it for the price of one, three of the best games ever made for the price of one, really. And that Super Mario Bros. 35th you know running game or whatever it is, basically a battle royale. The servers for that cannot cost that much to keep no, going. No, oh, no, no. So it's funny that you mentioned all this, Neil, because friend of the show Jed messaged me asking kind of you know our, our opinion as as 
GameCube podcasters. <laughs> right. Well, we willed we willed Super Mario yeah. Sunshine into existence, so naturally we have to have an opinion on why it's now being taken. Yeah, away. exactly. And, and he asked. He said, "You know, what do you think the odds are Nintendo would start adding N64 and GameCube games to Nintendo Online Service?" Uh, because that's probably the only reasonable explanation for removing 3D All-Stars from the eShop. And, you know, I would love that to be true, Neil, but I, mm-hmm. I'm i sure it's not. And then Jed made an excellent remark when he said, if it was Sony or Microsoft, I'd get excited and believe it, uh, like that would happen. But since it's Nintendo, I'd easily believe they just did it to be illogically different. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's a very good term to... Uh, uh, to, that's to that's yes. going to be the documentary that that we put out about Nintendo. <laughs> Logically different. Logically different company. <laughs> Logically different for over 125 Logically years. Different. The Nintendo story. <laughs> it's it's such a weird. We'll never understand Nintendo's business model. It clearly works. They're a multi-billion-dollar company. So keep doing what they're doing. I didn't buy Super Mario 3D All Stars for this exact reason. Was because I don't agree mm-hmm. with the the idea of it personally. I might pick it up used someday. I haven't I, like the, the like I. You'll be able to find that game used eventually. Uh, maybe it'll go up in price. I don't know. I could be sleeping on a diamond. But uh, I, I don't agree with putting out a game and having the end date of it announced before the game's even out. That, to me, doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right. But no Mario in this episode, Neil. It's all about the other guy. Uh, you mean uh, you mean Cubivore? <laughs> That's right. The other, Nintendo's second best-selling franchise, Cubivore. <laughs> second biggest-selling franchise. But before we talk about Cubivore, Mike, I think it's time to bring us back to our new favorite segment. It's time for the Mailbag! Mailbag! Ladies and gentlemen, remember, you can submit a review or question or comment wherever you can find us. Uh, wherever you can find a way to DM us, uh, we'll eventually read it on the show. Just like Ivan from Windfall Island. <laughs> Ooh, Ivan from Windfall Island. Wow, that's 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 really far. That's very far away. We, of course, remember Ivan from Windfall Island as being one of the members of the Killer Bee School from the group of kids from The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Remember the ones that kind of picked on Link whenever he walked by? Yeah, and and Link, uh, the, the, the teacher wanted... Uh wanted Link to talk to Ivan because he was, I guess, the head the head boy of the group. Yes, yeah, he was like King Bob from Recess. Yeah, he was King Bob, and, and I guess mm-hmm. I guess they're just skipping class. Yeah, I'm not sure what was going on there. Uh, everyone's <laughs> always walking around. Everyone's outside, which I like to see. That Everyone's getting mm-hmm. some good sunshine on that island. But Ivan says, Hey, guys, loving the pod so far. I was five years old when the GameCube came out, and I was so good at climbing trees with my friends. When Link came to my 500-square-foot island, we knew that he was trouble. Thanks to Link coming to our town, breaking all our pots, stealing rupees, and drowning all our pigs, our economy crashed and 70% of our population <laughs> starved before the end of the year. I hope your podcast keeps me dry this spring. I'm the last surviving citizen of Windfall Island, and the fire rate <laughs> I've kept going for the past 18 years has finally gone low. Send help. Ivan. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, <laughs> the fact that the the bottle got to us incredible is impressive. Who knew that, who knew that somehow the ocean that Link sailed on in... Wind Waker is connected somehow to Lake Ontario. And we have unfortunately <laughs> no way of knowing where Ivan is. So Ivan, we're glad that you found our podcast somehow on Windfall Island, but we're not sending help. We're very sorry. Yeah, how is he listening to us? I don't know. <laughs> Smoke signals? Could be. That doesn't that doesn't make reception. <laughs> No, no, but like like smoke signals, like you know, if if there's like a, a code, like certain words are ours. I don't know. I, yeah. I, what does our podcast look like in a smoke signal? I don't know. What about Morse code? Can we can we put our podcast into Morse code? Maybe, but then why did he send us a message in a bottle? Because he can't. Maybe his like, um, maybe his thing is broken to send a telegram maybe. back. 
maybe that, that this was his last piece of paper that he could possibly use and <laughs> it's gone useless used from the, the he the ink was the blood of his relatives the blood Jesus. of the pigs <laughs> on that note ladies and gentlemen welcome to episode 42 part 2 of the GameCube was cool podcast new episode every Thursday on Apple podcast Spotify and all the other podcast services we are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet and we're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games one by one sometimes 12 by 12 visit the GameCube was cool.com to check out all the things we've been working on the website was developed by our very own Mike Lane I, I, I'm trying, I don't I don't have a good uh what's a good what's a good Zelda like quick thing that I can do that's you if you would like to support the show you can support the GameCube was cool on patreon every dollar helps us grow the show supporters at the five dollar or above level get their names read in the credits and the option to submit an opening topic to the show yesterday we put out part one of our look back on the Legend of Zelda Wind Waker if you haven't already go back and check it out so you can check out today's episode which is part two we are covering again the Legend of Zelda Wind Waker with a few more guests and basically our closing thoughts on the game mm-hmm yeah and just more, more stuff. I, I, I'm. <laughs> it's like, wait, didn't these guys already talk about Wind Waker? Well, we're gonna talk about it again. We're gonna talk about it again, again. Mm-hmm. and again. We'll probably bring it up again too in a few weeks. I'm, we're, I'm sure we're gonna be bringing this game up for the rest of the, the podcast cycle. Honestly, it's Easily. probably the most influential game that came to the GameCube. Easily. So if you uh, wanted to check out our thoughts and memories on the game, uh, go back and check out part one. This episode is going to be more about just talking to more guests, and we'll bring up interesting facts, did you knows, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, so go check out part one, and then come on back here. So Mike, who's our uh, first guest on today's episode? I think our first guest is going to be the lovely Cam Parks, who was on last week talking about a little bit of Zelda uh, when he talked about the Zelda collections and obviously his favorite place is the water temples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he loves water temples. <laughs> but yes, uh, Cam Parks, uh, Cpox on Twitch, great Twitch streamer. Please check him out. Um, he's a great friend of the show, known him for many years, and we're really excited to have him back again for two episodes in a row. And I'm sure we're going to have him back for even more Zelda episodes. But Cam, now that we have you here again, I do have another question for you, and it is, have you ever owned a GameCube? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I did. And what color was that GameCube? Uh, I had a purple GameCube. Ooh, classic, classic. The classic. Nice. The indigo purple. Yep. An even better question. Did your parents have the foresight to buy you a memory card for the GameCube? (laughs) You know, it's it's been a long time. I'm pretty (laughs) sure I remember the whole getting the GameCube, getting ready to play, realizing... We did not have a memory card. <laughs> then having to go get a memory card before we could play. Okay, well, you know, that's that's. I'd say that's better than most who have come on the show. It, it's funny how there's been a lot of people who've come on who said, "Yeah, I played through Luigi's Mansion without a memory card." Oh, or the first. I played oh. the first thirty minutes of Luigi's Mansion yeah. ten times before I got my memory card, which is hilarious. Oh no. Would have been a lot difficult to play. A lot more difficult to play Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker without a Oof. memory card, since this this was a beefy game, uh, especially on GameCube with the the sailing, which took up probably 30 to 70% of that time. <laughs> um, super annoying to play mm-hmm. that on GameCube. They did make it better on the Wii U version, luckily. But yes. let's, let's talk about let's talk about some Wind Waker. Now, this is probably one of the brightest, colorful, cartoony Zelda games, which followed Majora's Mask being the most depressing Zelda game of all time. <laughs> so that change was obviously very divisive amongst the community. Were you a fan of Wind Waker, the art style, and the style of Link back in the day? Or were you in the camp of... This sucks. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I was vehemently in the, I love this. Yeah. It's so different. Especially, like you said, coming off of Majora's Mask. I think 
I just needed, I need, it was what I needed and yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I didn't play Wind Waker uh, as a kid. I played it way later when I was getting back into video mm-hmm. games and I played it after Twilight Princess, I think. So uh, I loved it because Link just had, he's got the most personality of any mm-hmm. Zelda game, almost any video game. They gave him so the much facial expressions, yeah. man, like iconic. that's so yeah. cool. And it's funny because I was, I was trying to describe this to people the other day who don't really know Wind Waker. And I was talking about the facial expressions. They're like, what? Facial expressions? Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> everyone has facial expressions. I was like, no, no, nope. no, no. You, you don't get it. 2003, for, like, this kind of character to have these amazing expressions. Like, he probably had about, I'd say, 20 unique expressions, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. depending on oh, what easily. you were doing. And I know now nowadays it doesn't seem as cool. But back then, that was pretty crazy. One of my favorite things was when you uh, sidle up against a wall, oh, yeah. which was a, a new thing in uh, Wind Waker because there were like little ledges, which was really cute. Uh, if you just tapped the joystick a little bit to the left or right, his eyes would move first. Oh. And it was the funniest yes, thing that's because right. when, when, you, when you see video game characters move, they don't look to where they're going first. They, but if you did that with him, like he's up against the wall and you just tilt to the left, his eyes will go left. And then you tilt harder, then he moves, <laughs> which I thought that I did. I just did that. For a little while i thought that was a ton of fun and there's just like little comedic beats too in the game which are just so cute where like you know something's about to explode and then it doesn't and then he walks up to it and then it does explode it's very like wily coyote-esque Classic. and yeah and, and just this is why it was so divisive was because we just got off of ocarina of time and then majora's mask which were very dark very realistic we had seen gameplay of what twilight princess would eventually be and that's what everybody was expecting but then they switched over to this disney uh, cell shaded art style and no one not, not no one but a lot of people did not like it it was commercially panned for this art style but then critics were praising it across the board it was getting nines and tens yeah, yeah. everybody loved it so i think people kind of forget that zelda traditionally doesn't sell amazingly breath of the wild that sold uh, that's currently sold i think about 22 million units 22 million and before that i think the highest selling was, was twilight Ocarina princess time. at 8 million Oh, 8 million, yeah, because it was on Wii, so of course. So basically tripled yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like Breath of the Wild has done, which, you know, is really telling to to kind of like where Zelda has been, I guess, over the years and how it mm-hmm. is a bit of a niche market, honestly. Like, you know, obviously we all love Zelda and grew up with it, but it's it's not for everyone, which is hard to, hard to imagine sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, Cam, last week you were talking a ton about how the water level in or the water temple in Ocarina of Time is the bane <laughs> of your existence. How did you feel about a Zelda game that was a complete water temple? How did you feel about the water temple being back? In- <laughs> <laughs> and everywhere. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it does vary, like you said, depending on if it's GameCube version or Wii U version. But GameCube version, I was just bored a lot. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah. I'm going to gonna sail to this place across the map. I guess I'll point this direction and then... I don't know, go get a snack or something. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I would yes. do is I would I would hold up on my joystick and like be on my phone watching a YouTube video yeah. and then look up every so often. Not there yet? Okay. See, yeah, I played this, Neil, without YouTube So uh, yeah. because this was in oh. 2003. Check, <laughs> check the map, slightly correct your course back to doing whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, yeah, I, I'm really glad that the HD remake kind of fixed that because uh, mm-hmm. that was probably, I'd say the biggest concern for me was i was like when when i heard they were doing that i was like please please fix this the fast mm-hmm. sail Ugh. the yeah. auto wind direction Ugh. <laughs> now i'm just angry at, at any kids who have played this for the first time on wii u yeah like, oh, screw yeah. you they, you didn't have to know. go through yeah they don't know <laughs> they don't know what? the hardships i had to endure 
That's how I felt when they re- they announced the new Skyward Sword remake. Mm-hmm. Like, you won't know <laughs> about motion control issues. Yeah, I'm I'm just waiting for a Wind Waker remake on Ooh. or a remaster of rather on Switch because believe it or not, this week or this last month, I guess I hooked up my Wii U for the first time since Smash Bros came out yep. to play it. <laughs> so it's the only way to play and. Yeah. So unless you're streaming, really why ho- else would you need a Wii U? That's exactly the only time I ever use my Wii U. It's <laughs> the last living reason I can think of to, to hook one up. <laughs> but it is a it is a really fun game. Bright, colorful, music, very good. I love the pirate theme of the music. It's it's mm-hmm. it's very cute. Uh, Cam, <laughs> do you have a favorite uh, boss fight or dungeon from this game that really Ooh. stands out? Oh boy. Uh, so Wind Waker is mm-hmm. actually one of the only Zelda games I didn't replay on stream because I played it not too long ago. Right. I'm trying to mm-hmm. think of the bosses. Oh, you know what? The one that jumps to mind is the the dragon. You're going to like that, Neil. The dragon. <laughs> yeah, I love dragons. <laughs> uh, you have to use the hook shot or whatever the hook shot equivalent. It's like a grabby thing in Wind Waker, yeah. I think. The grappling hook, maybe? Yeah. Right, and you have to climb and and grapple with the dragon. Uh, that's the one that pops to to my mind. Oh, uh, dragon roost. Yeah, dragon roost. Dragon roost. Yeah, that's a, that's roost. the first temple. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember now if that's got a grapple. It does. To it, yeah, maybe. it does. Yeah, yeah, it does. I'm I'm playing it right now. I'm stuck. Oh, <laughs> I'm literally that's stuck funny. in that area. But yeah, the boss is yeah. I used grapple for on, on there. Yep. <laughs> with the duck girl. Yeah, but that was a weird choice of a character design with the people with the beaks. Yeah. I've said this before, but I just can't believe how beautiful it looks on GameCube. Like, I, I remember as a mm-hmm. kid playing it and thinking, wow, this is cool, especially because I played it in the Zelda Collection Edition. So, you know, I had Majora's Mask, Ocarina, and the, the two uh, 2D Zelda games to compare it to. So this was just like a complete 180 to this dark, brooding Zelda that I had gotten used to. And all of mm-hmm. a sudden... It's this bright, open, uh, cell shading, cell shaded animation, and just these big eyes on all these characters. It almost <laughs> seemed like like anime esque. Yeah, uh, yeah. It just it, it was it was so different for me when I first played it. I'm sure you probably had a similar reaction, Cam. Yeah, it pretty much the the same thing. It was just like joyful to play, even though bad things were happening. I was like, mm-hmm. it'll be okay. I always wanted to be in that world, you know? Like that's yeah. like, I think yeah. that's that's how to put it best. Is like even when, when I was frustrated or something I couldn't figure something out, it's like, oh you know what, this is still really nice though. I, I like yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, and what's funny is that you know, like I said, uh, that critically um, amongst consumers, like everyone was upset about this art style. But the Toon Link art style has actually shown up the most of any Zelda art style before. So there was Wind Waker. And then there was Spirit Tracks and Phantom Hourglass on DS, mm. which are both Toon Link style. And then he's been in, uh, what, three or four Smash Bros. games mm-hmm. to this point? And then he's also in, he's kind of in a Link Between Worlds, sort of. Like when he's on the art, uh, when he goes into Painting Link, mm-hmm. that's that's a Toon Link art style as well. Good point. And I'm trying to think if on Game Boy Advance, Minish Cap. Minish Cap is also Toon Link art style as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is that like right there 10 11 games with uh, the toon link art style so nintendo said screw you we're doubling down on this <laughs> and uh luckily we have we've seen him a ton in the last what, 18 years now yeah. so oh wow we mentioned yeah. earlier on the episode but this is the 18th anniversary of wind waker coming out just crazy wow. 18 mm-hmm. 18 years oh. 18 years yep. cam do you feel old yet 
Oh, now I do. <laughs> Toon Link is old enough to drink. Yeah, Toon Link. Can... Wow. Past driver's ed, at least. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. Mm. Uh, I, 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 have a, I have a good question, too, that uh, we're going to be asking all our guests yeah. today. But uh, is there a specific name you usually pick when you, uh, when you start up as Link? Are you an intellectual and pick something other than just Link? <laughs> Oh, well, now I feel like I have to say yes. <laughs> you don't have to. I, I play as Link every time I play. So I've had variations. So if I, you know, more recently when I play on stream, I, I, I do my stream name. And then otherwise it would just be Cam or or Link or, um, no, you know what? I can't even lie. It's either Cam or Link. <laughs> I'm usually ass. <laughs> I played as I would occasionally make it Neil by accident because mm. like when the game starts up they say what do you want to name your save file mm. which if you're if you're a kid with siblings which I was you had to make sure you knew whose save file was whose right. um, so I would name mine Neil and then the game would start and then they'd say wake up Neil and I'd be like oh crap <laughs> I want to be Link yeah. um, so that that was mainly an accident if it was named Neil and I would just stick with it at that point because whatever Yeah. but if I if I knew what I was getting into and I was playing the game on a console that was mine and my brother wasn't going to jump in I would just play as Link right away but yeah that's fair that's, that's fair. a classic yeah, <laughs> yeah of course I, I mean I, I'm always I, I just do ask because I think growing up as a kid uh, my aunt had a like a little arcade uh, because she ran a restaurant, so they also had like a arcade section. You know those the classic, like two thousands restaurants in yeah. the smoking se- section, obviously. Yes, <laughs> I, I that's that's one of my first video game experiences is playing on those old arcade machines, and wow. you know you always put three letters in, and being mm-hmm. a a nine year old, you put an ass, obviously. That's fair, right? <laughs> Why would you put your initials in? Yeah. That makes no, no. sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Cam, is there anything else you'd like to say about Wind Waker before we let you go? Uh yes, I have two two things okay. that come to mind. Okay, let's do it. First of all, the wind and earth temple. Why is the one with the flying girl the earth temple? <laughs> oh, that's a very good point, actually. And then the one with the little plant is the wind temple. Anyway, mm. it's not a huge issue, but I just want—I felt like that should be brought Let up. Let me call the Nintendo devs. <laughs> right if you could now. answer yes. that by your next episode, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to Miyamoto. No, for no trouble at all. Yeah. So until we get that answer, zero out of ten would not recommend. Yeah. Zero out of ten, <laughs> except for my other point: the mm. music on the title screen yeah. is my yes. favorite Zelda song, and I would put that on. I'd, there's a ten-hour <laughs> loop of it on YouTube <laughs> that I would just play throughout my day, and I just. I love it. I love it. It's a sea shanty. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, yeah. Oh. It's it is so iconic and it's so it's so of that world, right? Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. it actually when I played it again this week, it reminded me a lot of Super Mario Sunshine in terms of the music, in terms mm. of the aesthetic. It was all very specifically created for that game. You can tell, right? Yeah. It does. You know, I talk about this a lot. How great games and great media in general are often. Cr- so great because they feel like one person's singular vision. Yeah. And I think Wind Waker definitely fits the bill on that. Like you said, with the title card, with the mm. music, everything, it's just like, okay, I get it. I'm in like this, basically the <laughs> sea world, this like island world, and let's do it. <laughs> Fully in. Fully in. You can switch video game music with other games and it would work. You can't put Wind Waker's title screen up before any other game yeah. and it no. worked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's funny. Ooh. Cam, we had you on last week and obviously you talked a lot about your Twitch channel, but just in case anybody missed that show, why don't you let the listeners know where they can find you? Uh, sure. Yeah. I, I, uh, I stream on Twitch. The The handle is CPOX. So it's C-P-A-W-X. 
um, which is a British pronunciation of my last name. Oh, there is you, that? That's oh, the lore. That's yeah, why. that's the lore. Oh, okay. I was 14. Anyway, um, so that's <laughs> that's Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, like all the channel-related stuff. Play a lot of Zelda, play a lot of Mario, and have a generally have a good time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, having a good time is good. Good times. That's is what good. we try and do here. We try and have a good time. I've had a exactly. great time. <laughs> oh, good. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, man. This has been a lot of fun. Yes, thank you for having me. I'll, I'll come back anytime. Anytime you want to talk Zelda or anything, but Zelda mostly. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have a couple more Zelda episodes to go, so mm-hmm. we'll definitely have you back Ooh. for those. Yes, can't wait. And, and we'll also bring you on for random episodes that you've never played the game, but you just want to talk. Yeah, I love talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Oh. Thanks, guys. See you later. Take care, bud. You too. Bye. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you, Cam, for coming on once again and giving us all your insider info about Zelda. And mm-hmm. and, and I got to say, I that he's got a great tattoo. He's got a oh. great Zelda tattoo there. It shows very well on a podcast, tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what the, what the listeners want to hear. They want to hear the descriptions of people's tattoos. That would be an interesting choice for a podcast, <laughs> describing someone else's tattoos. It's a Triforce tattoo, which is pretty sweet. If you had to get a Zelda tattoo, Mike, what do you think you would go with? You know what? I almost would want to go with like a Toon Link waving the Wind Waker. That would actually be kind of cool. Okay. Uh, or maybe something super subtle, like the illustration of the waves. Mm, okay. I like stuff like that that's not overtly Zelda or not overtly something, you know, that's uh, in pop culture, but something that almost references it. Sure, sure. Like, I think with this one, you'd either have to go full sleeve or something completely... Uh... A like full, a full sleeve would be a, sick for this. A full sleeve Wind Waker tattoo. You'd have to go either full sleeve or just a little subtle reference to it. Uh, my subtle reference would be I would get Link's eyes tattooed on my eyelids <laughs> so that when my eyes are closed, I have his his childish like glare looking sideways. You think anyone has a tingle tattoo? Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> How could you not? <laughs> <laughs> let, let, Mike, let's talk now a little bit about uh, a few gentlemen who probably have some Zelda tattoos somewhere on their bodies. We found a very interesting interview from a bunch of the developers of the Wind Waker HD game, which came out in 2013, I believe, on Wii U. Yeah, so uh, it's a fantastic interview. I, I implore anyone to go search it out. Just look up Awada Asks Wind Waker and you'll find it. Uh, but basically... Uh, they kind of, you know, Awada kind of starts off by asking about Space World, which we've already talked about a ton in this episode. The developers and designers on the project kind of questioned themselves after putting out that tech demo of basically like a HD in quotes version of Ocarina. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of questioned themselves about that prototype, and you know, they called it incredibly normal. And for mm. them, it didn't exceed expectations. It was almost like a time of a reflection, I guess, and thinking, you know, is this the best thing we can make? Do we want to really just make another Ocarina on here? Or should we try and uh, develop something completely uh, completely mm. new? Because the biggest issue that uh, Aunuma, I, I can never say his name a- right. Aunuma? Anuma. Mm-hmm. The biggest issue that Anuma brought up, who was the director of Wind Waker, um, he said that they had a really hard time coming up with new ideas and expanding on that world that they created in Ocarina. Right. You know, it's the same team, basically, that worked on Ocarina that's going to be working on Wind Waker. And he found that they were really limited in terms of the ideas that they could bring to that world. Mm-hmm. I think that they just felt tied to this, this success. Like, this, mm-hmm. this Ocarina of Time took the world by storm. It was considered the best game of all time, almost day one. That's really hard to follow up on. And I can definitely see how when they put out that demo in Space World, which looking at it now, I think it was from 2000, was the first time they showed this Ocarina 
HD at the time on GameCube. I can see how people would have been excited by that, but I can also see how creatively you would think, you know, is this really what we're going to, are we just going to be stuck? Are we going to pigeonhole ourselves now and make this game, which <laughs> yeah. they don't traditionally do with their main licenses. They don't typically keep art styles the same, except for with a few select handfuls of games like Metroid really hasn't deviated too much since its NES version. It's always been a dark, gritty space shooter. But Mario has changed art styles a dozen times now, what it feels like. He's been in almost every single different uh, imaginable realm or uh dimension at this point 2d 3d 2.5d and and zelda with ocarina of time and then majora's mask being made in the exact same engine i can definitely see how the developers didn't want to do that again right away at least i think twilight princess looks like the ocarina of time hd sequel that we were waiting for and then it's funny because after they made toon link and these characters they ran with that art style for a few games afterwards so they really did kind of it's funny how they tried to avoid being the same and they wanted to do something different and they ended up doing this over and over and over again i love in this interview as well they also share the earliest uh drawings of what link toon link would look like (laughs) how that sparked so much creativity with anybody who was doubting the the concept of making a toon link they showed uh toon links art style and then a moblin and then just from there they developed the entire game they just you know ran with it the the eyes that they called it like a detonator for inspiration (laughs) yes yeah it was the spark that fanned the flame yeah exactly Mm -hmm. reading more into the interview they said that's basically how all zelda games have have started you do a drawing of link you do a drawing of a certain enemy and then the gameplay kind of evolves rapidly from there exactly it's kind of how anything really gets created you, you just come up with an idea and then you build around that you kind of like layers of an onion you just put except mm-hmm. you're not taking the layers off you're adding them on and eventually you end up with a classic which uh, we obviously we think wind waker is fun note too um this was i this i actually found really interesting uh the wives of these developers and designers were actually very interested in the game mm-hmm. uh, solely because of the visuals wind waker was actually a, a gateway drug just like animal crossing as we talked about yes. before and how wind waker felt much more of a attainable uh, thing to play mm-hmm. not necessarily because zelda was was deemed too hard for girls or something but but just the fact that it looked like an inviting world for not not necessarily girls but just anyone who's a casual gamer it it, it was much a much more inviting uh atmosphere i think Mm -hmm. well on last week's episode it's funny because you and i both at the end of our zelda episode we talked about which zelda game would you recommend people pick up or people play a 2d and a 3d game and we Mm -hmm. each said breath of the wild and i think uh i forget now i said ocarina of time and uh it's funny because this week i was talking to my girlfriend and and she said you know oh you know i've never actually played a zelda game before she plays Mm -hmm. wii games she likes video games you know just casual ones and i was thinking like oh okay i'll I'll show you you know we can play a zelda game i'll introduce you to one and i was just thinking you know which one should i show like which one should we play and i was looking at the box art for wind waker and i was playing it this week and i was just thinking like i think this would be the one i'd recommend you play because it's it's like a disney movie it's like a playable cartoon it's cute it's fun the music is great it's bright it's it's not too dark and yeah like it's the combat is easy to wrap your head around the graphics have aged beautifully so really it is i can see how it would be uh, capturing to a lot of people to play this one for their first Zelda game. Unfortunately, it wasn't a lot of people's first Zelda games. I <laughs> yeah. think most people that ended up buying Wind Waker were people that just either liked the art style off off the uh, right from the get-go, or mm-hmm. they know Zelda, so they wanted to play a Zelda game. Yeah, Takazawa, who is the, I believe he was the lead designer on the uh, on Wind Waker, he had a really good quote saying that they were able to create visuals where we could get someone who doesn't usually play video games to want mm-hmm. to play one. 
that made me really happy. Yeah, they eventually took it too far with the DS and the Wii, where they were getting people who don't play video games to buy Wii Fit and Brain Age. And <laughs> I think that they kind of caught a sniff of that, uh, that you know, drug, I guess, if you want to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that casual gamer market where we're going to get people who don't play video games. And then they sort of just started to only attract people who don't play video games and found out that those people don't stick around. And they buy their Wii Fit and then they bounce, right? So He had another um, interesting point, too, because he, he talked about uh, back then video games had still had the image of just being extremely difficult for us growing up in that era we just remember getting games and playing them we don't really have this this idea about how difficult a video game is really right and wind waker was released at a time when the gaming industry uh wasn't able to offer up an idea uh, of games that could be opened up for to a broader base of people mm-hmm. and also something that he brings up which i thought was really funny but totally is how people would have thought at the time is that controllers were getting more and more buttons you know, right. <laughs> like yes. things are getting more complex, more buttons, higher, like, you know, graphic resolutions, more games, more consoles. It, it, if you if you were maybe older than us in that era it, and had seen the NES, SNES eras go by, mm-hmm. uh, it would have been, you know, a lot for someone to take in, especially someone who would have easily gotten out of gaming, like so like a new yeah. a new parent or something like that. Yeah. And the early 2000s, it was just before the time when video games were becoming mainstream. Not, not just because of difficulty, but just being acceptable to do in public or to admit that you, you know, people weren't wearing Zelda hats and admitting <laughs> yeah, that they yeah. loved Star Wars in the early 2000s yet. Like it was a very, it was very much a juvenile thing to like. And we talk about it all the time. Where did we play video games? You know, in each other's basements. Our parents kept these consoles in the basement, hooked up to the old TV with the old couch and the dark lighting. But now in, in, in the 2010s and into the 2020s, video game consoles are a part of the entertainment unit of homes. They're in the yep. living room now. Like they're in, they're under the big screen TV with the leather couches. And they That's also play, they also play Netflix and YouTube and, and whatnot. But they were at one point the thing that you do in the basement with your friends on a Friday night with pizza. They weren't something that your parents were okay with having in your living room, right? So it, this was in that time as well. So it was just before when we were starting to get into the mainstream. Uh, now video games make billions and billions of dollars a year, and they rival film uh, revenue. So that's really wow. I know you know what I never thought of that like the the living room thing, but that's 100% I think about that true. every day, Mike. <laughs> I have one more thing uh, for this sure. this great interview. It's just talking about the the inspiration. Obviously, there is the film, the Eight Dragon, whatever. <laughs> I forget the name of it. <laughs> the boy with the eight heads of a dragon. Yeah. We're butchering it. Little Prince and the Eight Headed Dragon is Thank the you. name of the film. Yeah. <laughs> There's the film that obviously inspired it. But uh, one of the uh, inspirations in terms of the setting of the game was inspired by the southern islands of Japan, specifically Okinawa and that region. Mm which are kind of the vacation spot for a lot of Japanese uh, people. Oh. Takazawa, the designer, actually went to take pictures of these uh, uh, islands and kind of used it as the framework for the design. Uh, so that was that was the main setting nice. inspiration. You could definitely feel a real-world inspiration with this game, which yeah. you kind of don't with... I don't think... I don't feel much real-world inspiration with any Zelda game up until this one. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so that is true. And then, again, blow it out of the water with Breath of the Wild. That feels like a real-world <laughs> <laughs> living and breathing. And his quote, or uh, his uh, tagline that I guess he says in the interview is uh, reality over realism, which I love. Mm. Nice. All right, Neil. And of course, uh, one of my favorite books that we like to talk about a lot, uh, A Thousand One Video Games You Must Play Before You Die, mm-hmm. has Wind Waker in it. Oh, perfect. I'm, I'm assuming that's the, that's the first game. That's the 1001. That's why it was supposed to be 1000, but they added Wind Waker. Thank God. I'm assuming Thanks. it was going to be in there. I'm, I'm sure most Zelda games are in there. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but uh, this one obviously is uh, is a big one. So, 
Link's first GameCube adventure launched into stormy seas, following a blustery internet reaction to a sudden change of art style. These fears were misplaced, however, as the Wind Waker's sharp cell shading has ensured that it's perhaps the most timeless of Zeldas. Burying the Hyrule of old under a rolling blue ocean may have seemed almost as sacrilegious as the shift towards a more childlike na narrative, but such audacious changes allow for a fresh kind of adventure filled with pirates, sun-bleached islands, ghost ships, and a mysterious frozen castle trapped beneath the waves. Mm. Wind Waker remains a lovable addition to the franchise, offering an untold bounty of treasure, mystery, and drama to anyone who dares sail its shimmering, foam-flecked oceans. I don't think a man stealing children counts as a childlike narrative, but yeah, that, that's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a nice write-up. I like that. Yeah, Very nicely yeah. written. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, cool. All right, and joining us now, our last guest of the day. This is Josh from the Still Loading Podcast. And Josh, what do you call Link when you boot up uh, Zelda just in general? I know I'm sure some people will have different ones for different games, but for Zelda in general, what do you normally call Link? Before I answer that, I have to know why did you save the worst for last? Because I'm sure all your other guests are much better suited for this. No, um, no. so for, for that, though, I... I now just name him Link, but when I was younger, I would name him. I don't know. I would try to find some name that like 10 year old mm. me thought was cool. And the one that keeps coming into my mind, and I don't know what this means or where it came from or why I named Link this. It was Dark Cond, like okay. C O N D, like Dark Space, like first name Dark Last Sounds name. Sounds like a Con. Star Wars character. I don't know. Yeah. It, I, I know, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, I, it just sounded cool to me as a as a kid, like dark. Uh, and then you just see two Link roll into the room. Something. I have no idea. So yeah, I, <laughs> it was a very strange uh, name, but that's what I that's what that was my go to. And then after, uh, I remember reading the strategy because I had the strategy guide for Ocarina of Time, and I was I didn't know mm. Link's name was Link at the time, and so every time in the strategy guide they would reference it as Link, and I'm like, Link to what? <laughs> What are Link. they talking about? I don't understand oh what you mean. What is what? Is, what are you linking to? Link does this. Like what? What? I, I don't get it. Uh, so yeah. So now I name him Link, but it was Dark Cond at one point in time. Very good. That's that's probably one of the best ones we've had today for sure. I like that a lot. I uh, of course mm. name Link Ass uh, most of the time as uh, as one does. Uh, Neil, I know. Yeah, my my story was because I had to name him Neil because I had an older brother that also played Zelda games or video games in general. So to avoid and confusion. His name was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my parents weren't too creative. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's new. no so the reason was just like we I, I thought it was to know whose save file was whose so i would just be like oh this is neil's save file and then you'd start up the game and it would be like wake up neil and i'm like oh shoot now now the game thinks i'm not link so uh, now now all the consoles are mine he doesn't play video games anymore so i just named the character link uh as it's meant to be but for a while it was just you know neil was the uh the hero of time so it's a good good era for for neil and his brother neil and his sister neil <laughs> 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 great era for the hero of time and now josh you did own and play wind waker back in the day correct so i didn't own it back in the day but i did play it back in the day and i have beaten it uh, i beat the wind waker hd version okay. for the wii u 
Um, so my memories of Wind Waker is that uh, my friend Tristan, who's been on my podcast a number of times, he had the game on for his GameCube and showed it to me. And I was one of those mm. snobby kids who were like, this doesn't look like, this looks worse mm. than Ocarina of Time. Like, who could, mm-hmm. like, why is he so cartoony? I want this gritty, realistic Link. And now as an adult, Wind Waker is one of the yes. most beautiful games mm-hmm of all oh, time yeah. it, it is stunning and but i was one of those kids that it took me a while to warm up to this art style and so i re- remember going over to his house and watching him play and the sailing at first really bored me now i actually love it i think it's one of the most fun mechanics in the game but when i was younger i didn't quite like it all that much because it just right. there was less action but yeah. as i kind of got around to exploring all the different uh, temples and seeing the different mechanics they added to this game compared to what Majora's Mask and Ocarina mm-hmm. of Time had beforehand, I just mm-hmm. fell in love with it. And I didn't get to play a lot of it at his house, but I would say um, late 2000s, like right before 2010, so, so I think it was like right after I graduated high school, I, I got a GameCube from my friend, paid five Jeez. bucks for Wind Waker from him and wow. like 20 for the GameCube. Wow, wow. Um, so then I started playing through there and I stopped, I rage quit at the Triforce mm. shards quest, which I could, uh, yep. that, uh, that is yep. a thing in and of itself. Uh, well, you know what? Let's talk about that a little bit because that's probably one of the, if not the quest that a lot of people just give up on mm-hmm. or are very angry at. Neil, do you want to take us through that quest and, and explain why it's so, uh, yeah, it's, so it's just that frustrating, I guess. Poorly designed poorly is probably designed. a good way to describe it. Yeah, it's it's tough to tell because Wind Waker had a lot of cut content from it, which a lot of people don't know. There are two dungeons at yes. least mm-hmm. that Nintendo have come out and said were cut from the game, which a lot of fan theories have come out since the game came out in 2003 that might have uh, streamlined that Triforce quest a little bit more. The game does start off at a very quick pace, just starting at the very beginning of the game, is that a lot of Zelda games have issues with starting the the quest uh like uh skyward sword i think it's almost an hour before you're out playing as link with a sword twilight princess is uh, might even be worse than that where it's 45 minutes of chasing goats which is kind of the meme at at this point uh but uh (laughs) wind waker it's got a good story it starts off maybe within about i would say 15 to 20 minutes you have a sword and you're in the woods looking for uh, Tetra, who you don't know is Zelda, eventually, who's fallen in. And, oh, I, I'm so sorry. You've had 18 Deal. years to play it. <laughs> that, and if I'm the last interview, that, or not, if I'm the last guest on, I would Oh, probably. Yeah, by now, yes. We've definitely talked about it by now. All the spoilers are out on the table. But it, still, I, 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 like you, played yeah. the, I played the GameCube version, and like you said, the graphics were amazing. Right when I started up the game, it's got that nice little jingle, and... You know, Link wakes up, just like in every Zelda game. He's always sleeping. You know, kicks it off to a... To a <laughs> <laughs> sorry that that was a slow burn for me he's always sleeping <laughs> he is You're yeah right. he's and you know sleeping. this game is great at getting you out onto the adventure and you know i played the game this week and it took me maybe three hours and you were already done like the first two dungeons so you know eventually you do get enough power-ups that you you get into the main quest and then there's this triforce quest that's just this long arduous quest that you don't really know where you're going the map is very spaced out so everything is very far apart and what you're looking for is not always obvious, and it just is so tedious and time-consuming. In 2021, I didn't find the sailing as bad as it was in on the GameCube because the Wii U version. I played yeah, it on the Wii, it on the Wii U. No, so yeah, the sailing is quite yeah. a bit faster, which is nice. You don't have to keep changing the wind direction. Yes. I think they made the wind a bit more automatic in this game. And also, you now have phones where you can just watch YouTube videos if things are taking too long. I'm just like <laughs> looking at my phone, checking Twitter. 
So there's that as well. But even when I played Wind Waker for the first time on GameCube, the I didn't really notice anything bothering me. But again, I had other things to entertain, entertain me. And even at, after all that, after people say that the quest takes too long and it's all spaced out, the game is shorter than most other Zelda games. It's only, I think, six dungeons compared to the uh, average eight to nine in a Zelda game. And they doubled down on the, or they, I shouldn't say doubled down, but they added a ton of dungeons into Twilight Princess, from my understanding. Yes, so it did. seems like they kind of, it was an overcorrection on the other end for the very next game. Yeah, Twilight Princess was very mm-hmm. much a reaction to Wind Waker in yeah. general, uh, in in the sense of you know the art style and the sense of adding so many dungeons and just the the streamlined story uh, and obviously that. Just yes. the, the sheep, and then and then in uh, and then Breath of the Wild they made four dungeons, but then there's two hundred or what is it, two hundred mini dungeons with the shrines, which was even more. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a, a pretty big uh, a big negative towards the game was that the the map is cut up into forty nine squares on a grid, and if you if you look at the grid and everything to do in the game, most of those squares have really nothing to do with the story, so it's a lot of empty space. But what you are exploring is just beautiful, like. This open seas, oh, yeah. the colorful. I'm looking at the Wii U version. It, the in HD, it's just I, I want to look at it. Like I want to exist in this world, so I don't mind spending as much time as possible in it. One of my favorite parts about Wind Waker that I went back to playing it this week in preparation for the podcast was uh, Hyrule. When you go to the Hyrule Castle in yeah. black and white, and you're still in color, I thought that was one of the coolest art styles and just the way that they did that whole area it was so mm-hmm. cool and interesting and because i i remembered it and got nostalgia from when i was a kid playing it and i thought my game <laughs> broke <laughs> like i thought something happened because i was like oh you know you know like like tvs in in the early 2000s sometimes the the cables aren't correct are connected properly and everything's yeah, just yeah. black and white <laughs> so like i honestly remember thinking that something was wrong and then i realized like, oh wait i'm colorful <laughs> a little what? bit of like it was kind of like uh, wizard of oz or something it was a f- yeah I, that's honestly mm-hmm. one of my favorites for sure josh do you have a favorite uh like favorite level or favorite memory of this game um i would say my favorite my favorite dungeon has to be on or level slash dungeon is the one with the Ritos. I can't remember the yeah. name of the island. Mm-hmm. Dragon Roost. That's Dragon it. Roost, yeah, yeah. Dragon Roost Island. Um, I love the music there. I love the visual design of the Rito people. Ritos, uh, yeah. The and Ritos, then the, the right? Valu is like the giant dragon on top of the volcano. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love the design of the dragon. Yeah. I think what sticks out to me most about this game though is that it, it I think more than any previous entry in the Zelda series and to a to a degree up until Breath of the Wild, it was one of the most open world Zelda mm-hmm. games, just period. Like the only time yeah. you would really have load screens is when you went into dungeons versus in, you know, even though Ocarina of Time had a big open world area with Hyrule Field, you still had loading times. I mean, it wasn't times, but you still had right. to load the next area. But with Wind Waker, it was just this big open sea. And it's weird because you're right on one level where the there's nothing to do in, in the sea. Like the sea is a yes. lot of just emptiness. Yeah. There's a handful of really important places to go. But for the most part, mm-hmm. there's a lot of nothing. But I actually kind of like that because it makes 
the it, it's kind of like that thing in Minecraft where there's not a lot of diamond in there, but when you do find a diamond, yes. you're freaking the hell out because <laughs> you're like, I found a diamond. Yeah. And it's kind of like that in this where it's you just keep exploring, you find an island that's just it's got nothing on it. It's the shape of a yes. paradise or something like that. Because they always have those, you know, what is it? Those islands to have like it's the two island or the three island. I yeah. forget what they call it. Um, uh, and those usually are kind of lame. But every now and then you would come across something that is just like you you would right. discover the fairy fountain and you're like, oh my gosh, I found this fairy fountain. This is so cool. Or you would find a new island that has a bunch of different bonus quests or mini games. You're like, okay, this is a cool new place to explore. And I just love that sense of exploration. On top of that, there's that one island you can yes. literally buy. Uh, and it, it becomes <laughs> yeah. like your little resort and it's it, you you get a sense of ownership of this world like this is a yeah. state i own this island a little bit of real world. estate like, it, it is almost like it feels like a prequel to breath of the wild i know that it's not but just in the way that you see something off in the distance and you can go there you can deviate from your quest that you're on and go to an island and and fight some enemies yep. and collect some rupees or, or get a bracelet or whatever it is that you end up finding for me i think that the problem is for one thing, I think the game is, I've heard this uh, criticism before, is that it's too easy. And it, it is easier than some of the other Zelda games, for sure. But I, I think what would make it more fun is if when you're out on the open sea, if there's a little bit more danger and things to be afraid of. Like in Breath of the Wild, if you come across one of the Guardians, those things are terrifying and they're much stronger than you. Yeah. There's really nothing like that in Wind Waker for me. It would have been cool if there was something yeah. in the water. like almost like Jaws or something that follows you. Like if you're kind of staying in one place for too long, you can hear it getting closer. You can see it in the distance, like just something that's also on the map with you, almost existing on its own. And if it knows that you're nearby, it'll, it'll track you and come after you and you have to fight it or get away. I think that would be a really cool addition to the game, but it's, it's, it's a bit too much of a family kid friendly game that I don't know if they would do anything like that. I don't know. I mean, it's weird. Like, I don't know if I would really want that, though. Mm -hmm. I think if they made the dungeons more difficult and not make... The, the act of tra traversal should not be the most difficult or tedious mm -hmm. part of any game. Yeah. So, like, if you're trying to travel from point A to point B and you just keep getting stopped because this jerk, you know, fish or whatever keeps trying to eat you, that gets frustrating after a while. Versus if you make it into the dungeon where it's like th this puzzle's really difficult or this enemy is really difficult, then it makes it a lot more, it, it gives a lot more, um, it gives the player a lot more sense of control. That's what I'm trying to say. I, I do, I do love the fact that you could just go to these mm. islands. Like you guys yeah. said, it's that, for me, whenever I would go to an island as a kid or just find, yeah, like, like just said, like a fairy fountain, I would always kind of question myself. I'd be like, should I be here? Am I allowed to be here right now? Did the game break? <laughs> that is the best sense of that's good game design, yes. in my opinion. When, when, when you make the player question, like, did I just break the game? Yeah. Cause if you can make the player question that, that means that they, they, discovered something they didn't think they were going to discover that's that's really solid game design like metroid games are mm -hmm. really good at doing yes. that for you um yeah no I, I i think for me it's just the the sense of discovery and the big open world are my favorite things and they even have fast travel in this game it's very mm -hmm. limited fast travel but it is still fast travel which is <laughs> nuts to think about in a zelda game that early because i mean i don't know i don't know what the i'd be i'd be curious to see what the 
the the design philosophy you know like the history of mm. open world game design and where like when fast travel really comes into play yeah. but it's cool that they have it in this game that was the first time i had ever seen it yeah in a game. I, I don't yep. use it too often josh you said when this game came out you didn't like it because it was too kid friendly or too cutesy just based on the art style alone that was mainly yes. the 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 big hype obviously when the game was announced but what was interesting to me though is if you kind of follow the story in this game this is actually one of the darkest storylines i think i've ever seen in a zelda yeah. game in that mm-hmm. i don't know if you follow the zelda timeline too much i was i try and figure it out every few months i have to remind myself what the zelda timeline is because it's just so <laughs> obscure yeah well the zelda timeline is is half dumb half yeah brilliant because it was never meant to exist but no. fans kept clamming for it so nintendo's like fine yeah. we'll make a timeline <laughs> for you and they just kind of threw they didn't i mean they did their they did their best they didn't just kind of throw it together but it's very much where they had to you know wear down some edges right. on a square peg exactly so, it could fit in a so round hole. with this game i think okay i'm gonna go on this with bit with just memory so correct me if i'm wrong this game takes place after ocarina of time in the timeline where link went back in time so basically what happened is hyrule stayed where it is the hero of time went back in time to his his past link went back to his past and i think that's where the split timeline is and then we had majora's mask and we had wind waker I think. And then in this one, so basically it's been hundreds of years have gone by. And in that time, Ganondorf came back to life after Ocarina of Time and basically destroyed the planet doing Ganondorf things. And the gods came down. Since there was no Link around to stop him this time, the gods basically stepped in and their best uh, resolution to the problem was to flood the planet uh, to basically seal Ganondorf away. And years go by, years go by. And uh, then there's this this boy on uh, Outset Island, uh, who I named Link, Mike named at Butthead or whatever. <laughs> and he's sort of like the descendant <laughs> of the hero of time. And Ganondorf comes back again and is looking for the descendant of Zelda this time because he's trying to stop the Zelda lineage and everything. And he's basically rounding up children from the looks of it. Like basically trying to yeah. almost, I don't know if he's killing the kids or what he's doing with them, but... The story of the game is that these kids are being taken to this island where Ganondorf is, and he's basically just, I guess, looking for this heir to the Zelda family, which is an extremely dark premise to, to a very light, kiddish mm-hmm. game. No, 100%. Like you said, it it it's a game that is a lot more mature than its art style would, re- mm-hmm. th- would suggest. Yeah. I would argue, though, I still think this game... I think this game... We, I think we even talked about it on one of the, my previous things on being on your show um it looks great because it's cell shaded like i think my favorite at graphic thing they do is yes. bombs the oh, explosions yeah. look beautiful especially on the hd remake. bombs and the waves i think are my yeah. two favorite things yes anytime there was smoke or dust i i love the curly yeah. smoke and dust and when link does like a little somersault through through grass or through dirt just like these little kind of like mm-hmm. almost like mustache like curly mustaches kind of come out behind him and it's just like little dust billows that come out of and fire and everything i love that animation so much Mm -hmm. i do have some fun trivia for you guys before we let you go josh some of these that are pretty funny to to read there is a completion record for any percent and that's from iwabi 74 uh they beat it in 53 minutes uh quite recently actually september 17th 2020 so 
Uh, you ever see speedruns yeah. of this game? Yeah, I, I, well, that prompted me to watch some speedruns. It's wild. It they wild. do that weird thing where, like, they spin Link around in circles right. to, like, build up his momentum, and they shoot him <laughs> yeah. off. And he's going so fast that they basically can get him to another island before he drowns. Because yeah. the drowning timer stays the same regardless of how fast Link is going. So he's going at like 200 <laughs> miles an hour without a boat, just swimming. Dude's got dude's the Michael Phelps of Zelda games. Uh, there's also uh, the fact that Wind Waker actually did very poorly in Japan. Uh, I don't think a lot of people know that, which came to a great not. shock to Nintendo and caused them to reconsider Zelda's future um, as a game and specifically as a Japanese game. And this was something I thought was really interesting. This was from Eiji uh, Aonoma Numa, uh, who is the current producer of Legend of Zelda. And yeah, he, he legitimately thought that this game was dead in Japan. Like they weren't going to make any more for Japan. It was going to be a North American only thing because of the Japanese reaction to it. Obviously, it wasn't didn't end up being that harsh, but... Uh, Pretty uh, pretty crazy when you think of the games that have come out since that. Now that I see them, I'm like, yeah, they do have a bit more of a North American tone than ones before. I don't know Wind what Waker. it was about Wind Waker that didn't sell well in Japan. I mean, for one thing, the art style is somewhat based on anime. They've said that, that they were kind of basing Link on more of an anime yep. art style. But then the music has a bit more of an Irish tone to it. So... It, sea shanty tone. Yeah, pirate, pirate, yeah, pirate, pirate tone, tone to yeah. it as well. Yeah, maybe that had something to do with it. Pirates aren't as well established in japan for whatever reason i i don't know it's especially surprising because they have tingle in this game and japan is the only country that likes tingle. <laughs> oh well perfect that leads in perfectly to my next uh, little trivia here little fact uh that says opinions were also mixed in regards to tingle's role in this game to the point that ign editors actually requested his exclusion from the series and then the upcoming game twilight princess and that is why tingle is not in twilight princess mm. did you know that tingle has his own ds game uh that feels right. <laughs> Fresh. It's called Freshly Picked Tingles Rosy Rupee Land. And it was only released in Japan yeah. and the EU. Yeah, there's no way it's being released no. in North America. If you Google that art, you'll find a disturbing picture. Oh, God. Of he, he actually had a pretty interesting point in the game, just with the Game Boy Advance hookup to the... Uh, if you wanted to, with the yes, I yeah, was the tingle tuner, that. which is kind of a neat idea. You could hook up your game, you could hook up yeah. your Game Boy Advance with your Game Boy Player to your GameCube with Wind Waker, and the player with the Game Boy Advance could place bombs in certain areas uh, to to help uh, Link uh, fight enemies. Um, you could also unlock a special figurine, which otherwise cannot be unlocked in the game. So if you wanted to 100% Wind Waker on GameCube, you needed to have a Game Boy Advance player our Game Boy Advance and the Link Cable, sorry, uh, to play with the Tingle Tuner. So he actually played a very prominent role in Wind Waker, I would like to argue. <laughs> yes, that's very true, Neil. I... Oh, he did. I just hate him. <laughs> I love Tingle. Especially because uh, we, we didn't go into the details about like why the Triforce Shard quest from before was such a pain. It, just because Tingle charged so much. You you would get Triforce Shard maps that you would have to search for. Yeah. And then you would have to get those maps translated. And yeah, decoded, rupees were very scarce in this game. I noticed, like compared to other Zelda games, like, like you destroy all these bushes and and pots and whatnot, and for the most part, you might get like three green ones at best. Occasionally, you'd get a blue one. The Wii U one was a little bit better, where I think you started off with a max of five hundred. The rupees you could collect a lot more rupees uh, with the Wind Waker version on Wii U. Mm-hmm. And then also the the chart uh, translations mm-hmm. were cheaper on the Wii U, so you didn't have to spend nearly as much time uh, searching for rupees just to translate these stupid charts. 
because it just slows the pace of the game down to a crawl. And you even said at the beginning, it is so fast paced that from the very yeah. beginning, you know, and then you, you're going on this amazing, beautiful journey, this incredible adventure. And then you have to find yourself just hunting, like cutting bushes for four hours, <laughs> trying to get rupees yeah. when you're like, literally you're in the last third mm-hmm. of the game. You're so close to finishing and they throw it, that. Yeah. In. It, it is just stretched adult. out a little bit too much. Yeah. No, it, Definitely yeah. as a con to the game, and I think we just maybe it's a little bit of rose tinted glasses. We forget about that uh, quite often. That part of the game for Mike and I, this is actually our second favorite Zelda game, just behind Breath of the Wild. Uh, I think for us, it's it's got a lot to do with just the art style, the animation, the music, and and the dungeons yeah. are, are very fun too. So, I mean, not every game is going to be perfect. Most Zelda games have their faults. Um, I just think Wind Waker has the least number of faults amongst the most of them. <laughs> so, I would agree. Well, Neil, since this is our last guest for the day, I think it's time for you to okay, read the back of the case. Okay, I will read the back of the case for The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. But first, Victor, hit us with that jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Legend has it that whatever evil has appeared, a hero named Link has risen to defeat it. That legend continues on the surface of a great and mysterious sea as Link sets off on his most epic and awe-inspiring adventure yet. Aided by a magical conductor's baton called the Wind Waker, he will face unimaginable monsters, explore puzzling dungeons, and meet a cast of unforgettable characters as he searches searches for his kidnapped sister. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> I just was reading it along and I was like, I'll come to the end. <laughs> We're completing each other's sentences. No. Connect to a pal's Game Boy Advance and play cooperatively. Get hints, uncover secrets, and get Exclusive help Exclusive Baskin-Robbins coupon included. <laughs> Those are my favorite. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on today, Josh. We really appreciate your insights and knowledge about the Zelda franchise and Wind Waker. And um, yeah, if you want to kind of end this off and tell the viewers or sorry, tell the listeners uh, where to find you. No problem. Uh, thank you guys for having me on again. I once again, I was for letting me strong arm you into <laughs> having me on. Uh, but no, you can find my podcast. It's called Still Loading Podcast on uh, everywhere, I guess. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, it's at Still Loading Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, so I will, ha- my most recent episode will be Super Mario Sunshine, which you guys already covered a while back. We willed uh, Super Mario 3D uh, All-Stars into existence because of that episode. <laughs> yeah, no, Josh, is, you're doing a ton of great work right now celebrating Mario's 35th anniversary. You just put out your Super Mario 64 episode, which I was listening to the other night. I love that game, and you guys did a great job covering it. Keep up the great work, and thanks again so much for coming on today. We look forward to hopefully having you on again very soon when we inevitably send you a game that we're going to be having on, and you're going to want to talk about it. So can't wait for that. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be others. Oh, yeah. Thanks again, Josh. Thanks, guys. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you so much, Josh, for coming on and sharing all that great info with us. And uh, please check out his podcast, uh, Still Loading Pod. It is fantastic. Neil and I love it. And uh, we've been blessed to have 
Josh on so many of our episodes. Yeah, he, he's going up now in, in, in the history books as being one of our most regular guests. I think now he's been on our, our Hidden Gems episode, our Medal of Honor episode, uh, and then now this one. So he's been on quite a few. So yeah, becoming a fast friend of the show. Definitely go check mm-hmm. out his things. So Mike, now I think it's time that we close off the episode. But first, we have to give our closing thoughts on Wind Waker. This week, I've been doing a lot of just reading on reviews of Wind Waker, looking at a lot of you know perfect 10 out of 10 GameCube game. Do you agree with that? Do you think this game is really a 10 out of 10? For a Zelda game. Yeah, see, because I honestly think that the Wii U version is a 10 out of 10. Yes. Because it fixed everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Other than being on the Wii U, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. so it's it's tough to, to because it's really hard to, to talk about one without the other. Mm-hmm. Just because, obviously, it was all the same people who worked on Wind Waker that worked on Wind Waker HC. Yeah. And they really wanted to make it their own and make it, like, you know, fix all the problems that they had before. Right. Uh, but so I would say Wind Waker for GameCube is not a 10 out of 10 for sure. There's lots of problems with it. There, you know, like the quests, like we have already talked about before, uh, and like the difficulty levels and some of the characters. But it it really is a fantastic game when you think about it, because we do a lot of times unfairly speak about games in terms of how they play today, uh, which is you know. It's teach their own. I think it's important for a game to be able to hold up because that's part of what being a great art form is. But for Wind Waker, I think it holds up probably better than any other game on the GameCube. Yeah, that's fair to say. I mean, there aren't too many. If there were more 2D platformers on the GameCube, you might be able to give them a little bit more of a, a bump just because 2D platformers age so seamlessly, it seems. But but yeah, I, I completely agree. The Wind Waker, everything about Wind Waker ages beautifully. I've heard a lot of people say that the art style in the Wii U version is not as good as the GameCube version, which is interesting. I don't really see what the what the main differences are. Yeah. It just looks like the same game again, but brighter. I think they call it like a a color, like it's a, it's something to do with the lighting effect. I think it's just too bright. But again, okay. I don't I don't think that that's that's a fair I don't think that's a fair criticism personally. I, no. I I agree with you. I think that the Wii U version is probably a 9 or a 10, and then the GameCube version is probably an 8. We don't really like to give scores too much, but just to put it into perspective of other Zelda games and video games in, in general, I think the Wind Waker is definitely worth your time to pick up on the GameCube. We haven't said that in a while, I don't think, like a GameCube game worth picking up. Uh, yeah. This is a definite like five-star pick-up, must-own must own GameCube game. We haven't had one of those in a while, yep. which is nice. <laughs> well, Neil, I do have something to talk about, though, before we end this episode. And, and I think, you know, I've been doing a lot of reflection, a lot of thinking, a lot of thoughts. Let's talk about where we are. Let's talk about it. Wh- okay. Where, where are you? Where are you? Where am I specifically? Or where are we? At? <laughs> we're, we're, well, Neil, we're in March 2003. We are. GameCube's life cycle. Doesn't feel yeah, like it. Right? feels like we're in March 2021 to me. But I, I know. But but surprisingly, we're in March 24th, 2003. Hmm. Wind Waker had just come out. Pirates of the Caribbean is in theaters, too. <laughs> We've had Luigi's Mansion. Melee, Pikmin, uh, 2002, we had Sunshine, Animal Crossing, Metroid Prime. Now we've really hit the true watershed moment of the GameCube. That's March 2003. That's Wind Waker being released in North America. And Neil, this is where it all went downhill for Nintendo. Yeah, downhill is is probably a maybe a little harsh to say. This is definitely the peak, though. I know what you're trying to say, and yes. it, you're right. It This is when the library really probably peaked, is at Wind Waker. It's a clear decline after this. Now, this is when we start to see... There's a few exceptions, but we're going to start to see some sequels to games that we've already talked about. We're going to start seeing Pikmin 2. We haven't talked about any of the Mario sports games yet, so these are going to start coming out very soon. Uh, 
almost monthly, it seemed, after that. But we still have some hits like F-Zero that haven't hit yet. And then there's Fire Emblem to come out. But nothing was really quite as big as they've, they've had their 3D Mario game. They've had their Smash Bros. game. We haven't talked about Kart yet. But the sales of the GameCube definitely started to peter off after Wind Waker came out. I think at this point, the PlayStation 2 was in full force. Halo was huge. And people were starting to forget about the GameCube. And third-party support started to go elsewhere. And we're also going to start to see a huge uptick in movie tie-in games, which we talked about towards the end of last year on the podcast. We're going to start to see a lot more of those as the uh, as our show uh, progresses. We're going to find a way to fit them in so that it doesn't get boring and repetitive. But <laughs> we noticed when we were making the lineup for this show that the last year of the GameCube was every week. There was just movie tie-ins. Movie tie-ins of animated films coming out, which there's nothing wrong with that. But there was really not a lot of heavy hitters in the last few years of the GameCube, unfortunately. No, and like you and I were talking about offline, just about Wind Waker and, and how even though this game was obviously successful and remains one of the greatest games that Nintendo's ever put out, it it really was, you know, it really did kill the GameCube uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, the fact that fans who got the GameCube specifically for the mature style and the mature games that they were putting out in the first half of its life cycle, you know, then get treated to something like Wind Waker. You know, something that kind of completely throws them off uh, and it would have upset a lot of uh, those kind of fans at that time. You know, if I was if I was this age playing Wind Waker like now uh, for the first time, I'm not sure how my reaction would have been, honestly. No, it's a it was a huge bait and switch move, to be honest. Yes, like the GameCube, that's the word I'm looking yes, for. Yes, <laughs> they put out they put out this console that was rated M for mature. We're going to be dark and edgy and we're going to put out this this Ocarina of Time 2 that we're showing off at Space World and everyone's... Because we just had Metroid in November. Exactly. We just had Metroid come out. Mm-hmm. Super Metroid came out. Melee was on top of everything. There were, you know, Medal of Honor games and M-rated games that we talked about. Eternal Darkness. Eternal Darkness, yes. And then the first Zelda game to come out was this kiddish, <laughs> this kiddish game, which, you know, we love and it is a good game, but it wasn't what people wanted yet. So it, it would have been more interesting, I think, if Nintendo had held off on Wind Waker, uh, just put out Twilight Princess on GameCube. And then put out the DS games, which were Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks, which I'm not going to talk about too much right now. But at least to just get people sort of in, it, sort of get people yeah, used in the door. To, into the door, like a foot in the door, like, hey, here's this kind of spinoff, this this Toon World Zelda game. This, you know, it's a handheld. It's it's cutesy. It's it's on the console that has Cooking Mama. And then <laughs> and then maybe when the Wii gets huge, then put out this this open world 3D or not 3D, but you know, Wind Waker. Put it out on the Wii. With the motion controls, I think that game would have been more fun with motion controls than Twilight Princess, just with the sailing and 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 the yeah. ho- the hook shot and the grappling hook. It just would have been really cool on the Wii. It does feel like Twilight Princess and Wind Waker should have been reversed. Yeah. You're you're totally right. Like it does. It it feels like Twilight Princess would have thrived much more in 2003 and Wind Waker much more in 2006. Yes. And and it's. You know, it's a shame because I think you and I are both really torn at the fact that I love I love the fact that Wind Waker was able to come out like this and and really change gaming history. Mm-hmm. But I would have also been interested to see what happens if Twilight Princess comes out in 2003. Yeah. Do we see the GameCube continuing on and its good sales and everything else that was coming before mm-hmm. uh, March 2003? Because... You know, there possibly it could have saved it. it. Might not have have given it amazing sales, but it might have made it last a little longer in terms of third party support and all the all the rest. It would have been giving the fans what people want too, which sometimes you have to do that. I know that Nintendo is not always willing to you know put out and just remakes and remasters of games that everyone's begging for. You know, Mother Three still isn't out yet. 
that they're not always going to do what people ask them to do, but sometimes it just makes sense to do it. And like you said, we don't know what would have happened if the Twilight Princess came out. Maybe we'd be having the same conversation about Twilight Princess having a negative reception yeah. right off the bat, and Wind Waker should have been on GameCube. So it's impossible. Sure. It's impossible to know, but it it is definitely uh, the halfway point of the GameCube's life cycle, and it's not a steep decline from here, but it's definitely a a sad slow death for the GameCube from here. But there are still many, many great games that we will be covering. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've only done 40 episodes and we're about a third through the GameCube's library. Yeah. And which is, feels crazy to me that we're, we're that far through already. Mm -hmm. And so we got another two thirds to go, Neil. We yeah. got another probably 80 episodes uh, nice. uh, coming your way, everyone. So cool. stick around. Yeah. And thank you so much for, for the support last week on our first Zelda episode. We know it took a long time to finally get to Zelda and the reception around it was huge. So, Mike, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 43 of the GameCube is Cool podcast? Well, in episode 43, we are going to be talking about Ikaruga and Odama, Neil. Okay, cool. So, yeah, Ikaruga is kind of like a bullet hell shooter, a space shooter, which was a, yes. a bit of a hidden gem up until very recently. Where Great artwork. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, it's a genre that doesn't really get a lot of praise in the third no. in the triple a space it's very much an indie or an arcade heavy genre which i love these games i don't play them super often but when you do they're very addictive and it's not for everyone that that type of game because it's very hard you have to learn the, you have to learn the game you have to learn the buttons almost mm -hmm. memorize level design to a certain point and then odama a very different different game uh, to ikaruga is basically a pinball game controlled completely with a microphone yeah, that, that one is a unique, <laughs> unique game. Felt like an early Wii game for sure, like a game that should have been on Wii. So mm. I've never played either of these games either. I'm very excited to talk about them, though. They're both kind of these weird niche games that we love to see on the GameCube, and it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about them. Yeah, I agreed. I agreed. Sweet. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, this was episode 42, part two of the GameCube was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast services. Leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. We are The GameCube Was Cool. Follow us on Instagram at The GameCube Pod and check out our website, TheGameCubeWasCool.com. Share us with your friends, family, tell the king of red boats and lions, whatever that guy's called, Mike and Neil, say hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. Happy birthday, Link. Bye-bye.